worm. The worm, like, in the sense of, like, World of Darkness, like, Black Spiral Dancers and all that stuff? No, worm as in I spelled word wrong. Oh, well. Anywho. And we're back. Episode four. Yeah. And... My God, the world has gotten into hell in a handbasket, hasn't We're it? coming to you from the center of no touch time. <laughs> the center of stand six feet away from me, and please continue to do so when this is all over. Yeah. This is Bound by the Scene, again, with my co-host, Spirit Binder, and I... That's my, me. And myself, which is Tentacle Bound. So, today's topic of discussion will be the thing that kind of brought me and Spirit together, as far as compatriots yeah rope rigging tying all the things and peoples and stuffs and boy does it have a long fucking history yeah I get it because lope, a rope is long uh, <laughs> we're starting already with puns yeah oh boy I think, that, I think that's just a fact <laughs> I my brain my brain stopped functioning <laughs> at that point I tuned it out it is no longer in my thought process. So, rope as we know it, as we enjoy it. What would you like to get out of the out of the gate ahead of time? Other than the fact that there's very there's obviously a historical point with uh-huh. with how rope was being used originally, mm-hmm. how we've used it to uh, do the wonderful thing of like drawing and quartering, torturing, all that fun stuff when um, we were trying to just kill each other, right? Um, I don't have too much I want to highlight when it comes to, to rope. I mean, I think it's been one of, um, our, our biggest tools for a long time as a species. It's one of the first things we invented. Um, and like, we have so much technology based around stretch the thing out. Like we've got, um, like our most popular musical instrument, arguably of the 20th century was the the electric guitar and that's just like metal rope the fact that we've made rope into significantly versatile things we we used it with pulleys to help us pull shit up that are all significantly heavier than we could ever do anything it was used mm-hmm. to uh, we used it to rein in horses we used it to fucking sail across mm-hmm. the world and even made something as simple as a whip with mm-hmm. rope, uh, which is an interesting tool in and of itself. Yeah. Who Let's looked see. at leather and went like, "I want to make an angry rope out of that"? <laughs> that's just it's just that's just a snake. It's just a snake. With a, a, a snake is an angry rope. A snake is very angry rope. I think those are called danger noodles. Mm, depends. Well, they're they're also called nope ropes. <laughs> yeah. A big old nope rope. Um, we've we've transitioned all of it to using this thing as a very versatile tool in our life, mm-hmm. and then we decided, how can I extract information from people in the most fucked up way possible? Mm-hmm. Insert feudal Japan. Mm-hmm. So, a little bit of history on on uh, rope bondage uh, for for those that are not indoctrinated into the rigging lifestyle mm-hmm. um, it was used as a torture method uh, to extract information so one of the one of our favorite ties that we do as a as a whole where a lot of people that start off doing 
a lot of tying is mm-hmm. the TK. Right. Well, if you look back into the Edo period when they were torturing people, that was one of the first ties that would put you in. Mm-hmm. They'd have you nailed down on a cinder, uh, nailed down on a wooden board that's pointed to a, se- a several different points, mm-hmm. and they would add more weight with giant cinder blocks mm-hmm. or stone slabs. And the more you resisted, the more weight they added on. Right. And if you still, at this point, continued to not give them any information, they doused you in cold water, which natural fiber rope has this very interesting property that when you're actually wetting it, it constricts even more. Mm-hmm. So now you have to combat the lack of breathing, the uncom- the the not comfortable position of having your arms tied behind your back on top of weighted stone slabs mm-hmm. and kneeling on a fucking wooden board that looks like something you would oh I don't know put against your walls to mitigate sound right um, <clears throat> and we've and they've used they used it up until someone thought hey you know what would be great if we can mix fucking with this mm-hmm. and then you get a bunch of artists that have drawn renditions of Various people get being bound, being either tortured and all that, and then ins- and then insert sexu- uh, sexuality with that. Right. And then we've moved it into the European age, where they were drawing and quartering people with mm-hmm. uh, people's wrists tied to uh, four limbs tied to a horse, and see if we can rip them apart. Right. So I think the in- I think it was interesting that we've used rope as a whole to do wondrous things and also do very inhumane things. Yeah. And then we just like, you know what? It that that's just let's just fuck with it. Let's right. And then now we're the natural extent to everything is somebody will put their penis in it. Yeah, someone will attempt to put their penis in it. Mm-hmm. And now we are here in the twenty first century. Right. And I really hope we are. Last time I checked, well, we're like I don't know if some weird time shit's happening right now. All I know is, is that at nine months we're gonna have the uh, the the quarantines as a generational group. Quarantennials. Quarantennials. Yeah, yeah. That's the uh, that's the new one for the generation that's gonna <laughs> be coming after all of this social isolation, right? And distancing because people are fucking. Yeah, that ain't gonna stop anybody. People are always fucking. Yeah, even when they're not supposed to. Right. And procreation is a thing that comes about. It's kind of funny. Like, um, I use, like, Tinder and Bumble to try and find, like, models to tie on some of the time. Um, And, like, a a lot of the time when I explain what I'm trying to do, people are like, that's not what I'm interested in. I'm like, okay, whatever. But, um, like, the actual apps themselves have been, like, hitting my notifications nonstop. Like, it's time to swipe. I'm like, homie, it is not. (laughs) Homie, I'm trying to practice that social distancing. <laughs> I do not need to see people right now. Mm-hmm. You did you not get the memo? And I think that's a, that that's a that's a precursor to how we've evolved into a species that we a lot of a lot of everybody else requires a lot of social interaction mm-hmm. to the point where it's like there are people having mental breakdowns and we're not even two weeks into this. Yeah, that, I think that's just about normal for being human. We've always been like an extremely social species like these survival of the fittest people kind of annoy the shit out of me because I'm like listen we only work as a species because of our capacity to hang out with each other like 
yeah, I don't get me wrong. Isolation is is a thing that most introverts get, but at the same time, there's a lot of people that are that have claimed that they're introverts that are like, I can't deal with this right yeah. now because it's it's too much. It's almost like introversion is only ten percent of the population. <laughs> it's not like it's an actual. Um, Maybe you just don't like people. <laughs> personality trait. Yeah. Uh. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I've, I've I've found out that I'm actually nope. I'm still definitely an introvert. Mm-hmm. I will I will gladly social isolate socially isolate myself even after this is done. Yeah, over and done with. But that that comes with an interesting topic as far as like rope. Rope is connective. It, right. Being a rigger, being a rope bottom, a rope top. Um, even if you want to get derogatory with it, a rope bunny. Um, was that derogatory? In some, in some I capacity. I thought it was just a term. It is a term, but it can be used derogatory only mm. because it's it's to signify that the person just jumps from one top to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next, without any social oh. recourse. That's what the bunny just, aspect is for. Just, oh, okay. It can be used as a cute thing, like kind of cutesy, kind of pet playish, like you, you dress up as a bunny and yeah, I tell yeah. you. Very Japanese anime weeby shit. Um, I, I had to remember that like jumping around between multiple people is thing bad. It can be now yeah. if that's already been pre if that's 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 what you do if right. that's who you are and you've stated it before cool whatever you do you boo boo but if you just do it willy nilly without any thought any 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 actual like mental capacity to like look after the other person afterwards right yeah, you're a piece of shit okay at least that's how it's portrayed right and the same can be said with being a top and just tying a whole bunch of people and not doing aftercare for them that, right that, that's another thing that we'll eventually I am done with you into the barrel <laughs> I'm done with you into the ether now uh we should get a barrel put people in it I can do we want a wooden barrel like like the one that you age whiskey in or do you yeah want, or do we want a metal one I mean the wooden barrel is probably the safer bet because you're, you're going to put somebody in this and you're just going to hit the outside of it a lot. Yeah, that sounds a lot better. We'll, we will put that on. Because you the, know we can find people that want to do that. Oh, most definitely. There are people that want to be put into a suitcase. <laughs> Anybody that wants to be put in a suitcase, just holler at me. I'm, I'm looking for someone that is of a very small stature so I can put it, tie up in a suitcase, roll them into an event, open the suitcase get them out of the suitcase, tie them up, suspend them, do really fucked up things with, put them back in the suitcase and just roll the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> I think that would be like one of the most odd scenes to do because you have somebody that's literally just, you open suitcase, bring them out, tie them, do terrible things to put back in suitcase and roll out. All right. You'd have to get them their badge already. Uh, yeah. that That's <laughs> quite, that's kind of how that was supposed to be like, mm-hmm. I've thought about this scene for a while. It's right. a really weird one. It's like usually you pay for everything ahead of time you and the bottom are uh, have already checked in and everything. All you do is just roll in. You go. You go up to the stage when everything's bumping. You undo the fucking suitcase, pull out all of the all of your rope, and then pull the bottom out. Tie them up. Do all the terrible shit. Put them back in. Roll the fuck out, and then go back into the party with the bottom and act like nothing fucking happened. Right. Right. I thought that was a great idea. Mm. And no one's done it with me. Right. Small violin. So with rope and its history, with being a rigger and its history, I think we do need to talk about how it kind of is still going on in Japan today. Okay. 
And because you experimented with that scene for a little while, didn't you? Yes. Um, I went into very. I went into two different types of scenes. There is the standard rope bars, where it's just a dedicated like you go into the space, you drink, and you do ropey shit. Oh, so um, it's like an institution over there. Yes, it is actually a business. Mm. Uh, you you will find most of those either in Osaka. In Tokyo is in so. If your time would have panned out, you could have made a living as a rigger over there. Yes and no. That uh, that depends on if I could have acquired citizenship. Mm-hmm. If I would have been able to open up a business, right, and done that, right. So if you're working with somebody else, it's not going to be lucrative enough. If you were like, I I am a rigger at this rope bar now. It wouldn't have been as lucrative. Okay. Um, it can be now. There, there. I'm sure there's avenues, but you, you typically want to kind of work with the local, like depending on what type of bondage you will be doing. Um, I've also gone to probably I think the only functioning dungeon in in Japan, mm-hmm. uh, which is hosted by uh, Mistress Maya. Uh, shout out to her if she ever listens to this. I love you. You're great. Have a good one. Um, it it was very interesting because it was very it was very like they do their own thing at this own point in time, and it's still a very sexualized thing over there. It's kind of it's, it's, it's a business, right? You go there, you do the thing, just don't fuck up. You're, right. you're held to your own standards, but you, I could have paid Mistress Maya for one of her slaves to tie that evening. Mm-hmm. Um. And that's just how it works. Now, in the rope bar that I've been to previously, you were expected to bring your own models. Right. And that's how they're viewed is that they're your own models. Mm-hmm. These are people that you're going to tie because they're not going to provide anything for you. And that's So could you start like a rope modeling agency or something like that? Or a sub-modeling agency? I don't necessarily know. Um, I know a lot of the riggers out there. Like I guess it'd be just alt art models. Close enough. Like if you had... A, um, at that point, you can probably just keep it open like hey by the way I'm looking to go to this rope bar I'm looking for someone to tie anybody interested Mm -hmm. and throwing out that I don't know if you could start an actual agency and it's the the way that they portray the people that walk in there getting tied they're always models Mm there and that comes from a way uh, a line of thinking that they used to hold Mm -hmm. which was once the model's broken take it to the hospital go get yourself a new one right kind of that weird exchange Mm -hmm. which is very very They've taken a while to get out of that. Yeah. And it's a very interesting um, thought process because here in the West, um, rope is somewhat different. Mm. Um, rope is used in a very different sphere. It's it's a lot more, I would say it's a lot more connective, I guess, in some regards. Mm. It's a lot more um, interpersonal as opposed to just it being... The that thing that you do on the weekends and get hot and heavy with, right, or something artistic, because there's a lot of different ways to do it. There's a lot of different thought process and a lot of ideals that are not very interchangeable when it comes to like east and west. Right, we do a lot of the same things, but we don't have the same thoughts in regards to that. Right. Um, I guess the biggest example is that they the drinking and rope mm-hmm. that is allowed in Japan right because you're an adult you're supposed to be able to hold well, it seems like it's part of the culture over there even yes because it Japan is does have a very very different drinking culture than we do 
Oh boy, a lot of nights. Fuck, a lot of guys. It's like you can get as brick-faced as you want as long as you have a job kind of deal. Yeah, you can get as shit-faced as you want, but also it's it's part of their, like, uh, businessman thing mm-hmm. where you're supposed to go drinking with your boss. Right. And it doesn't matter how shit-faced you get, you have to be at work in the morning, but because your boss is drinking, it's okay. Right. So you'll see salarymen, like, passed out in the bushes, and it's still in their fucking work uniform, which is the business suit and everything with mm-hmm. their briefcase attached to them, just plastered on the streets. Right. And that's perfectly okay. Mm-hmm. And here in the West, it's not like that. You you drinking and playing are not mixed, right? Or at least they're not supposed to, um, depending on certain uh, certain venues, certain coordinators of the events and all that. Yeah, I know in in Dallas and Bondage Expo in Dallas specifically, they have a if you're drinking, you're not fucking. If you're fucking, you're not drinking mm-hmm. rule. That is their rule, and that is to keep their asses safe because the last thing you want is drunken debauchery that happens and something can get misconstrued. Right. That's the last thing that they want. In Japan, different. Like you you know what you're doing. If you fuck up, you're gone. Right. It's a one strike rule, which is interesting. As opposed to here, it's there's a lot of people that can get away with a lot of things because of a name. Mm-hmm. So J- uh, Japan's dynamic with rope and sexuality is very is very different from ours mm-hmm. um, which is which was kind of a culture shock when I went over there the first time because yeah. I was I was taught in a very different different way mm-hmm. than studying under studying under a rope master for a while um, getting his approval to start tying and all that fun stuff because mm-hmm. in kink we have this you get mentored by a certain person you that mentor follows you for a round and they then once you're done with their teachings you go and seek other forms of knowledge Mm -hmm. and then progress forward that's that's not how i learned i learned okay i got my basics went to conventions started tying a lot more learning various things that worked for me different ties different this and then found my niche yeah and the style of rope that i wanted to do i think we can start we can start kind of identifying what those are Mm mm-hmm because we've now established the differences between Eastern rope and Western rope. And there's, I'd like to say there's about four schools of rope. Right. In reality, at least as far as I've seen. And those four schools go um, Shibari, Kimbaku, uh, Western style rope, and then Seminala. So Shibari in and of itself is, if you translate it literally, it just means to bind. Mm-hmm. That, that's it. You're just tying to tie. Kimbaku is one, a, a, a slightly different school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, it's hard to find the differences between the two because one of them, if you look at most Kimbaku um, artists, a lot of them only do ground to partial suspension. Okay. Whereas Shibari is full suspensions mm. and all that. Western style rope is a lot more decorative or you do the damsel in distress type of ties where it's there's duct tape over the mouth, very white rope mm-hmm. bound hogtied and all that fun stuff or you get the very decorative celtic s knots right right um, or some corsetry uh, that is involved with that or there's actually a rope artist in france that does rope bondage as fashion that's cool um i think he, he goes by fred kyle mm. on on fat life and the dude's work is really crazy it's mm-hmm. he will make full-on dresses out of just rope mm-hmm or like bikinis or summertime wear or whatnot. That's it's, really cool. It's very awesome. And then you have Seminole, which is 
you take the original concept of what Japanese bondage was for, which was torturing people, Mm -hmm. and that's what Seminawa is. So out of these four schools, various different people intertwine and mixed what flavors they enjoy and like. I prefer... Mm -hmm. I prefer Seminawa. I enjoy Torture Rope, but I do Shibari as well. Mm-hmm. Um, what schools of rope do you lean to? I, I think I think Shibari is the closest thing you could probably say for me with a, a mixture of like Western style because I like really cool fashion stuff. Um, like um, Hajime Kanoko is one of my go-tos. And, like, he does as much tying up of people as he does just straight-up rope art. And um, that's, like, a style that I really like. Um, what in, uh, Gorgone is another one that I study a lot of, and I don't know what you would call her style. I believe she is, I believe she is both Shibari and Kambaku as well. Mm-hmm. Gorgone is one of, probably one of the most iconic female riggers mm-hmm. that I have personally, like, have seen some of her stuff, and it's, it's impressive. It, mm-hmm. it really is that there are, are several amounts of leagues between these individuals. And I believe at one point she used to be a um, a go-between to one of the main rope masters out in Japan. Mm. I believe that, if I recall correctly, I know there's a couple, I can't remember the term, uh, but they're basically... Um, go-between is the easiest one, but they're like representatives right. for, for that school of rope. Mm. And occasionally they'll work underneath the master. They'll they'll do all the translations for their language. So I think if you were a native English speaker, you'd do this, you'd do the Japan the English or Japanese translations for the the the, uh, the master. Mm-hmm. You would book the classes and all that, and you'd just be accustomed to that lifestyle. Right. And that's that's the bridge in between for a lot of like Japanese rope masters because they some of them don't speak English right at all. Um, and learning from these individuals is one of those things where you do need to take the time. You do need to already have your basics mm-hmm. before you even consider it. Because right. they, cause the way that Japanese teach is very different from the way that we teach in the West. Right. Whereas you'll have somebody sit down with you and walk you through the steps. So they'll, they'll teach you some vernacular according to it. Whereas in Japan, it's like you follow, you follow my lead. Right. Here's what you do. Do it. Mm-hmm. So... Kind of, kind of how I teach occasionally, which it speaks volumes. Mm-hmm. Huh. Anywho, so we've broken down the four schools of rope, and I think a lot of it is like what, how, how rope is portrayed in kink. Uh huh. Is 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 one of the biggest ones. Like a lot of the times, it's kind of the gateway drug for most people. I know yeah. we spoke about this in like. Uh, in like short spurts in like the first episode. Mm-hmm. But I often find it as one of the easiest ones to kind of like gloss over the fact that it's actually a lot more dangerous than what we lead on. Yeah. Because there is, you're, you, you're using rope to constrict what happens if the person falls. They're yeah. not going to be able to catch themselves. They can knock themselves in the head. You tie it wrong, people are going to have nerve damage and shit. Exactly. Um, what would you say your reason for jumping into the rope sphere was? Um, I'd always thought rope was pretty cool. Um, I use rope a lot as like a problem-solving thing, aside from just like um, like art or a sexual thing. Um, <clears throat> and like... Um, 
my dad's side of the family is like all all navy among the men so like i've been like rope is a tool to solve this problem has always been a part of like the thing the the experience of my life so i had that background and i had an opportunity to learn it and i was like well i'm already into kinky shit may as well like learn a little bit more and then like if if you look around like my place you can see that i use rope as much as a, a problem solving mechanism as i do like something for play um, so I think it's just good to have another tool to like interface with everything with because like whenever I go somewhere things that I always want I always want on me is I want like I want my phone I want a knife and I want some rope because with those I can solve just about any problem preferably a big stick too a big step a big stick does help in a lot of instances also mm-hmm. Uh, uh, why did I do rope? Oh yeah, I was bored one day. Mm-hmm. That's, that's kind of how I got into rope, and uh, yeah, kind of crashing and burning into that one, and then it just took on its own life. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see here. So a lot of the people that I see jumping into rope now, as wanting to learn how to do the 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 shibaris, the kambakus tying up people um, is used for a very is very used various for various 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 reasons some people just want to tie so they can fuck mm-hmm. cool kosher you do you some people want to tie and be artistic mm-hmm. cool perfect some people tie just to have another thing another damn belt mm-hmm. others like the performance aspect of it I am one of those people I love performing give me give me a night where I can show off exactly what I can do, wear a nice fancy suit, wear a mask and all that fun shit and just go to town. Mm-hmm. I, I love that aspect of rope. Um, but a lot of the issues that I'm, I've, I've run into with the learning aspect of it is there's not enough people that know the reasons why we do a single column tie the way we do. Mm. And there are there's a reason why there's so many different variations is because they, they have a different level of intent behind right. it and figuring out what your intent with rope is is probably the first thing I'd, I'd end up talking to people about when I w- whenever I'm like taking on somebody to teach the basics to yeah. like, what is the reason for it why do you want to learn this is, do you just want to learn how to do rope to fuck because we can, we can just teach you the basics and then you can just go about yeah go to town and you just go to town or did you want to do something a lot more extravagant mm-hmm. do you want to do it for a fashion sense because we can go and sit down and learn pick up uh, old, uh, one of the books that I originally owned was the Two Naughty Boys mm-hmm. bondage book which shows you how to do coin knots and everything and you can use them for decorative purposes so you can have that little nice fashion-esque mm-hmm. um, part onto your rope scene right and I think that's one of the fir- that's one of the things that we should kind of instill on people is learning what your intent is with rope because mm-hmm. if you don't have a grasp of what you want to do with it I think a lot of the things and the reasons behind it will kind of fall to the wayside why we do a quarter turn and then cinch down this knot mm-hmm. gets lost in the meaning because there's no intent behind it what right you, what would you feel about that as far as like understanding your intent before you even jump into it I think th- um, well when you're doing any task having a goal in mind is going to kind of steer how everything else goes 
So if you don't know what you're trying to do when you start, it's going to be hard to get you to what you what you want to do. Um, and like this is kind of this is rarely a professional thing that you're taking up. So if you're doing this for fun, but you don't know how to get to the fun, that may be a problem for you. So I, I think knowing what you want is always the, the first step in literally any process, I feel. Um, however, um, you may just be somebody who's in it because you think it's really cool. Like, uh, that, that's how you got into it. You were bored yeah, and you're like, I'm going to learn this thing. And you learned everything about it. Yeah. And, but it wasn't until later that I ended up finding what actually the intent was for me. Right. Which is like, okay, I learned all the things and I know a little bit more about the history. What do and I think that's where I kind of fell short on the wayside for mm-hmm. myself because that's at one point I dropped rope entirely. Right. I dropped it and I focused on all the other aspects of my kink life. I was uh, focused on being more of a sadist. I learned a lot more about edge play. Mm-hmm. I even did an edge play group uh, to kind of like garner a lot more ideas so a lot more people can be informed about how to do these specific things. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I started learning that I can use rope as a tool to hurt people mm-hmm. that's when that intent changed how I used rope entirely right it turned into this like it was almost like a light bulb it's just like oh well I can do what mm-hmm. you mean I can hurt people mm-hmm. and just use it as an extension of my body right well shit that that changed everything for me and Honestly, I think it's great that a lot of new people are learning rope. I just wish there was a lot more understanding. Um, like, by the way, here's the amount of information that you may want to take into consideration. Right. Because that wasn't shared with me. Right. I, I didn't real. I don't know why I didn't realize it. Of all of all things, that that just never clicked that I could do that. Because mm-hmm. I get. I think it was a lot of the time. A, a lot of the reasons because. I saw rope as just this pretty thing that you could do. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, I like the artistic aspect of it, but it wasn't, it wasn't what caught my eye, or caught my ire in the sense mm. it was just that thing, that pretty thing that people did. Right. And I, I, I want people to get that, that giant pamphlet. And just go, okay, I can, I can do sexual sadism by strapping somebody down this way and attaching a fuck machine to them and they can't do a fucking thing mm-hmm. like that that's where i want to go that's my goal right as opposed to just walking in blind like myself like oh that's cool but then you kind of get bored of it and you drop it and mm-hmm. then it just it becomes this it becomes a toy in your toy bag that you never take out anymore because yeah. it's just kind of there mm-hmm. uh and i think with this social distancing thing that we're we're, we're all practicing that all of the classes are now online. Mm-hmm. You can you can now ha- you can now argue that it's a little bit better to learn online than it is to be in person to person, and I think that forces people. Please to don't go be person to person right now. Please don't like unless you're unless you're locked indoors with this the, this person. Mm-hmm. Don't do it. I, I I would like to see. I would like to be able to um, say I can go to a kink event. And just not go. Right. As opposed to, I am now no longer allowed to do kink events because of a widespread pandemic, because people are not adhering to the social isolation. And the f- so this is the fun thing that I wanted to talk about is the fact that for a point in time, mm-hmm. the idea of learning rope 
online was this big no no. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't go to YouTube. You don't go to an online class. You want to be there in person, face to face, so you can ask questions. Mm-hmm. And now, you can go on FetLife and you can go subscribe to uh, someone's event where they're just going to sit down and go over a lot of the the terminologies that are involved and explaining what the intent with Japanese centric rope is. Right. I think that's crazy. I, I think it's I, I think it's an interesting change and turn a point. Mm-hmm to now sit down and go okay well i can learn rope this entire week from some of my favorite like masters at a fraction of the cost yeah because it's all online because um, sometimes these classes go all the way up to the 300 dollars for an entire weekend and oh boy are they are they intense mm-hmm. yeah that's kind of the experience i want to have but i don't have that kind of money right now yeah, um, they're they're great, and intensives are are something else, but they're very taxing, and I do mean very taxing. Mm-hmm. There's nothing like waking up at eight o'clock in the morning, tying until about eight o'clock in the evening mm-hmm. with an hour lunch, going home, attempting to practice all this, and then waking up and doing it again the next day, and then doing it again the next day. Right. It is very taxing and then on, depending on where you're learning it sometimes having a play party that evening mm-hmm. when you're already going through a burnout as a top and the bottom is also very like very burnt out by mm-hmm. the second day it is something else but they're, I think they're very good like ways to do this yeah because um, that's one of the biggest things that I tend to get a lot of momentum with stuff like that like when I was um um stage managing i could stage manage for like as long as i was not eating i could be doing that job yeah well at least with this one that you it's kind of it's kind of preferred that you do eat because not oh yeah uh, you don't want to like pass out yeah and again a lot of these ties are a lot strenuous i i don't i think one of the ones that i did was it was a specific like it was just nothing but torture rope all weekend, learn, mm-hmm. learning hojo jitsu and uh, rope and all that, combining different ties. Those were those were those were good days. Those were good days. But now we need to sit down and go over what type of online stuff can we get into today? Yeah. I, know th- I know they're doing a lot of different online king stuff as well, but the online rope stuff is the, is probably the most interesting out of the, all of them mm-hmm. because rope, obvious for lack. of lack of imagination you need other people for Mm -hmm. technically unless you want to tie pillow chan or chair chan Mm -hmm. um it's it's one of those things like it's difficult to teach somebody online Mm -hmm. than in person but i i like the shift i like the paradigm shift that's been going on with it Mm -hmm. um because i need stuff to do i'm running out of my game video game backlog right i'm not (laughs) Well, you have Steam, so I just have a PlayStation. Right. So much Doom Eternal. So much Doom Eternal. <sighs> what other stuff in Rope interests you? Um, I like... Uh, I, I think I could probably say I primarily learned it for the social aspect, that it would be a new way to connect with people that like really want to be tied and... Um, that mixed with the art form became a really, really fun thing for me. Um, 
I think around the time I started learning rope was also the same time I started like DJing for kink parties, which is a thing that I love doing and have not also not been able to do a whole bunch of. But um, yeah, I like. Um, it's really collaboration. It's really getting to deal with people because it's always been hard for me to um, like meet new people outside of the context of friends. So I tend to leap from friend circle to friend circle to friend circle unless I'm like that one. I need them for a thing. Um, and rope is just something that allows me to basically interact with those people with a, with a kind of mission or pretense other than just like, hey, you like bread? Like, <laughs> so that's why I adopted it at first. And then after that, I found out um, you can kind of find out what the other person is like and really emphasize something and create a kind of um, image that they really enjoy and people like them can really enjoy. And that was really cool for me. That's a... That's a fun way to do things. I, I believe you're referencing the uh, the con that we went to. That's one of the things, yeah. That was a good time. That was definitely a good time. <sighs> I can I can talk all day about rope because that's what I've been doing for the past six years. Right. Um, I think what we should discuss is uh, on this is a little bit more of the of the re of the way to get into it mm -hmm. of like what you need to purchase where you would need to go well right now don't go anywhere mm -hmm. um, but what you would where you need to go home <laughs> stay stay home por favor now um, getting into rope as as a as a bottom is a little bit easier than as a top mm -hmm. um, as a top there's a lot of things that you do need to learn like what is like what your preferences on the type of rope you will be using a lot of people will will there's there's a, kind of this weird like argument of synthetic rope versus natural fiber rope. Mm -hmm. We're not going to get into that. I think personally, it's a it's a matter of aesthetic. Mm -hmm. It's a matter of what oh, this is supposed to look like for me, um, as opposed to whoever else is going to talk about it. Because I like the way natural fiber rope looks and feels and what it does for if I'm taking photos or for what the bottom is enjoying. Um, so the different types of rope that you'll be you'll be looking into are your synthetics. So you got your nylons. Um, you have your the Japanese silk bondage rope that you get at Hustler, mm -hmm. which is just cotton rope. Um, or you'll there's this weird synthetic mixture that's supposed to mimic um, natural fiber rope. I think mm. it's called like polyp or something like that. Mm. It's a weird it. It's it's a weird fucking rope. I have to actually do some research again on that one, but that just started coming that just started coming around. Mm -hmm. And then you have your natural fiber rope, which is your your jute, your hemp, your linen. Mm -hmm. Surprisingly enough, linen is a very very interesting durable rope. Um, your your actual bamboo silk, mm. um, even cotton, natural fiber. Um, your coconut rope. Or I think some people even use like alpaca hair. Oh, wait! It, I no, that's new. That is a weird one. It it has a weird texture to it. I think that's why people use it. Mm -hmm. um, but most most people, if you're going strictly like Japanese esque rope, uh -huh. you will stick with your natural fiber rope. If okay. you're doing more Western rope, you'll you'll do some of your synthetics. Mm -hmm. um, learning how to purchase rope or like what type of rope you'll be looking into. 
will dictate exactly what type of ties you'll be able to because thicker rope well it's great but we double our rope up right when we're whenever we're doing it so i typically use a five millimeter rope mm-hmm. which is the diameter of the rope and then i use eight meter lengths mm-hmm. um, for us americans that is about 28 to 30 feet of rope yeah and then fold that in half and you get that 15 to 16 feet of rope mm-hmm. and from there you can kind of sit there and go well what is the texture of the rope like jute is a very coarse rope if you don't treat it properly mm-hmm. or treat it at all it can be very abrasive very coarse hemp is a little bit more forgiving although i'm allergic to hemp so mm-hmm. i don't touch it right really. uh, last thing i need is to break out in hives while i'm doing a rope then i've cross-contaminated all that fun shit mm-hmm. we don't we don't want to play with that so what I, I know what your preference are specifically because you use some of the similar rope that I do. Yeah. Um, but just for the sake of this podcast, why don't you inform us on why you like your rope? Well, I use jute because I, I really like the texture of it and I really like how it will adhere to itself. Um, and I like that when you make complicated knots with it, they're not fucking going anywhere. Um, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of that, and I like the the ritual process of treating the rope. Um, that is a thing that is very special to me, but I don't I don't think that's necessarily related to any sort of technique. It's just a thing I like, um, and I, I like the history behind jute a lot. No, the treatment of your rope is also relatively important. So I mean it it will dictate how the rope feels in mm-hmm. your hands in the bot on the bottom's body as well as the upkeep of it eventually because you can use you can use jute for up to about two years if there's no fraying in it Mm -hmm. it's a relatively dirty dirty i mean after depending on what you're doing it can be very very dirty um and we'll talk about rope cleaning and all that in in a little bit it's very durable it's Mm -hmm. very sturdy that's the word i was looking for sturdy Mm -hmm. not dirty Uh, talking is hard sometimes Mm -hmm. It's got at least four stirred. Four, not at six yet. Mm-hmm. And most natural fibers are surprisingly, surprisingly durable. Mm-hmm. You'll you'll have a lot of the arguments of okay, well, with synthetic rope, I can I I know the tensile strength of it. I know mm-hmm. what it can feasibly hold. Right. That's fine. You can people can stick to their guns on which is better, synthetic or fi- natural fiber. The thing with that, though, is that it's just a matter... It's, at this point, it's a personal preference. Right. I would like to like to say that as as a person that will will fight for natural fiber ropes rights mm-hmm. in my rope, in my rope bag. But uh, the biggest difference between synthetic and natural fiber at this point is mm-hmm. the, the give mm-hmm. in rope. And you mentioned that like, if you tie a knot with natural fiber, it's not going anywhere. Right, yeah. Unless you undo it. Same thing with friction. Are, are alternating friction and a lot of the ties that we do tend to be frictions as opposed to knots mm-hmm. in in the standard in standard like practice of rope is you have x friction i frictions t frictions mm-hmm. a friction um rope burn that's another friction <laughs> haha uh but not uh but synthetic rope has give to it mm-hmm. if you grab a piece of nylon rope and actually like tie it to a suspension point and actually like bounce up and down on it there's a stretch in it mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that will that will so if you're going to be using natural uh, uh, natural fiber, a synthetic rope 
understand that your rope has give to it. Yeah. And some of the friction that is supposed to be used with natural fiber rope won't be there mm-hmm. because it's not going to grab onto itself very well because it's very slick. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another thing to learn. Now, with keeping your rope clean, mm-hmm. um, typically what I prefer is I prefer baking it uh, to get all of the particulates out. Uh, if like if it's sweat, that's fine. Um, I have a specific way of practice. I have a specific practice that if blood or like sexual fluids get on it, it's now that person's rope. Yeah, personally. Um, yeah, I'm with that. Mainly because it's a hygienic thing. Yeah, like uh, I could I can tell people how to clean their rope with that stuff in it. But blood is very once it soaks into a natural fiber rope, it fucking soaks. Yeah. Um, and baking it at two hundred seventy five degrees is not really going to do anything for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just it'll just make it further into the rope. Exactly. Um, or even boiling it because yeah. you can boil your rope as well. Um, the only thing is that if you get natural fiber rope wet, you need to stretch it out as far as you can with it, keep it taut, and let it dry as taut as you possibly can get it. It has to be carefully taut. It needs a very good core curriculum Mm -hmm. to maintain its structural integrity. Right. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck? Um, We are in the wrong country for that. We really are. Uh, Oh, goodness. Um, And from there, rope treatment is a bit... Rope treatment is one of those things where you either do it or you don't. There are some some people that I know that just don't treat their natural fiber. They like the little fuzzies on it, and then once they use it accordingly... Those little fuzzies go away. Right. Um, I personally like the, the the same ritual aspect that you do with it. I mm-hmm. like sitting down and actually taking care of my rope, burning it, singeing it, waxing it, oiling it. For me, that allows it to. St- Is there a way to make jute like actually soft? Yes. Just okay. keep keep that same process. Like okay. once you've singed it and burned it, like add a, add a little bit more oil and a little bit more wax. So just keep doing the process. Yes. Keep doing the process until it gets soft. And it will get soft. Because I've met people that have touched my tree to you, and they're like, oh, that's way too rough. And I'm like, uh, you don't even know. <laughs> and when I first got it, it it just it's so coarse it will actually burn your fucking hands because mm-hmm. you're working through it. But yeah, if you're trying to make it a lot softer, just go through the process over again. Like, do it another time, even before you bake it. Mm-hmm. Um, throw some more oil in it. Throw some more... I'm not going to say the other thing because you need to be 21 or older to buy it. Mm-hmm. And go into that process on continuously. And th- That's right, a handgun. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to be treated, and you're going to get soft. You just got to melt. Da- First, you melt down your Glock. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? You melt down your Glock, and then you coat your rope in the in, yeah in the fluids. That's why it's so dangerous. It's got real gun baked into it. <laughs> See, I like to bake my gun with a 12-gauge shotgun. Right, right. Yeah, you're more advanced. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a technique passed down from my... It's a lot more rope, too. Uh-oh. One shotgun can treat four hanks of rope. <laughs> Whereas one Glock can only treat two hanks of rope. Right, yeah. This is a fine milling process. <laughs> oh, goodness. We have a friend who would flip his shit if he heard this. I swear it's to gonna you. It's going to be great when he hears this. It will be amazing. You know who you are. DM me when you get this. If you don't know who you are, maybe go into the mountains after the quarantine's over. Don't leave your fucking house. 
Sorry, I needed a. I needed a. Is energy. that bang energy drink? <laughs> We're not sponsored. We're not supposed to say this. <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, man, rope treatment is a whole other fucking topic on its own. Because mm. you can you can skip a lot of the processes and just go straight to singeing it mm-hmm. to remove all the little rope fibers, and then removing the soot from it, and then oiling it and baking it, and you're done. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, if you want it to be extra 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 soft, um, like soft boys or soft girls, then just treat it again mm-hmm. and again and again until you get that until you get that softness that you want but also playing with it like throwing it on somebody because natural oils will do that for you as well mm-hmm. that's why my rope feels different than yours even though it's fucking cute they're both mm-hmm. the fucking same but also my rope is older right my rope is about three years old it's been seasoned with people seasoned with people and baking and oil mm-hmm. um because once you've done the original process of sealing it you can just add more add more rope wax to it add more add more um, jojoba oil or subaki oil mm-hmm. or mineral oil. Some people do that, but typically the rope wax is made with mineral oil, mm-hmm. so that'd be a little bit redundant. And then going from there, um, another thing to, to realize is that as you're doing this process, this will take time. So if you need, if you want to do this process, get a torch, mm-hmm. a settling torch, or just one of the one of the chef torches. Mm-hmm. That will help your process a lot faster. Uh, and or you can be like me for a good while, which is using a fucking bic lighter every inch of the way. Mm-hmm. And the reason why you want to, why we, why I was using bics specifically is because it's a butane torch. Mm-hmm. If you use a Zippo, you're going to get extra soot burned into the actual rope, and it's going to leave a weird smell. Mm-hmm. Hemp. Hemp is a bit different. Um, as as someone that doesn't touch it or can't touch it, there's a, it's, there are similar processes with processing it. Mm-hmm. So adhere to the same ones. Whichever process you find is best for you, stick with it. Mm-hmm. I just like the longer longer process of it. I like the a little bit more traditional way of doing things for myself. And argumentatively, it could be considered as not traditional because people. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of the a lot of these a lot of these ways of processing rope can kind of be kept to the kept to the chest a lot of the time mm-hmm. because sometimes people in the rope community don't like really teaching people other shit. Yeah, and uh, you'll you'll see that like oh you can pay me this amount of money to learn this tie, mm-hmm. only the tie, not the reasoning behind it. Right, which gets a little gatekeepy mm-hmm. and a little dangerous. I feel. Yeah, it does. Um, boy, we can go into that whole fucking topic in another in another episode on this one because this this navigating the ro- the waters of rigging mm-hmm. are, are, is one of the special things we'll be talking about right now as a rope top and as a bottom. Mm-hmm. So, learning basics. How did you How did you feel that the basics were? for you did, did you find them informative when you were taught them did you find them kind of just blase like you didn't understand why you were learning s- such a simple thing I, I tend to work from concept first with anything that I learn and that's about how I learned this thing like um, when I was taught the TK I was like this is a platform for the rest of everything to work off of so you need to know it and I'm like down um, same thing with like one of the first hip ties that I learned. It's like, yeah, everything else will work off of this. You need to know how this works. Um, I've also already got very good knowledge of body mechanics since I pra- practiced martial arts for a while. Um, 
So I had that backing and it was a really easy bridge to jump. So that's, I, I tend to come at the basics conceptually. Um, because I want, I, I know that if you get your concepts down, then the de- it's easy just to fill the details in afterwards. <clears throat> that's a very, that's a very good way of doing things. And for me, it was, I learned the basics and then was just like, okay, well now I know them. Why do I use them? Mm-hmm. Or like, why, why am I supposed to remember this fucking X friction when I'm only going to use it for this? High? Oh wait, there's a reason behind it. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that is a lot, a lot of that process it has to come from just again where you're going to be going with your rope like if, yeah. you're, if you're if you're never going to use a tk because the person you're tying can't sustain that position you should still know it yeah because it's a fundamental it's it's one of those things where if you have that structure down you all of the components are kind of taught within that mm-hmm. your 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 single column tie which is the first thing that most people will ever learn mm-hmm. or one of the like shibari cuffs that come out of the, one of the kink books yeah uh, those are one of the first two things i specifically learned and i still use those two things to this day mm-hmm. and i use munter hitches significantly Considering that I one they're they're fucking aesthetically pleasing to look at, mm-hmm. and two, it's it just makes so much sense that when you're I'm trying to go up and change the direction that that's the first thing that I do is the first right, thing that yeah. comes to mind, and having that basis for that understanding, having those building blocks, which allows you to be a significantly more creative because you have these things that you can utilize. Mm-hmm all the time the one thing that i do not like though is the it sometimes people jump a little bit too far ahead mm-hmm. like why we learn load bearing ties mm-hmm. why we learn what is appropriate to suspend from and what's not right now, granted i'm one to talk because i like again i like torturing people and doing the far more risque things mm-hmm. um, comes with the fucking territory. Right. It's, 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 if I fuck this up, I know w- how it fucked up because I'm the one that did it. Right. Um, I have that understanding, and it's something I have to come to terms with every time I tie somebody new with this. Right. Uh, because there's always going to be a chance for rope burn, um, nerve damage, and all that. And trying to mitigate that is important. Um, hence why I... I've, I've delved a little bit further into it than m- I feel like I should have. Mm-hmm. But that comes from the whole, I like anatomy and physiology. I like learning what makes people's bodies like squirm and tick and other mm-hmm. ways to hurt people. So that comes with me. That comes with my territory. Right. Um, but learning basics of body mechanics, uh, you have a good understanding of it because of your, your background. Mm-hmm not knowing why someone's arm can go into wrist drop because you're holding on you're you're constricting the the radial nerve yeah. at, at the at the forearm mm-hmm. on the forearm the arm yeah if you don't know that the arm has a turn off button you're not going to not to tie there and i just i find it a little bit frustrating this is where we start getting into the antics of mm-hmm. of being it not informing people of right. what the issue is and people take having it go in one ear and out the other until it, something wrong happens. Mm-hmm. So single column ties, shibari cuffs, 
mm-hmm. EKs, Fudos, all these have risks that we need to remember and adhere to. Mm-hmm. Um, even as a top, like I've I've run into some issues while prefer while performing. Tendonitis is a fucking thing, mm-hmm. and understanding that your own body has limits is yeah. one of those one of those things that it, I find. I wish I would have known sooner mm-hmm. because I would have taken a little bit more precaution. Probably not, but I would have explicitly ignored taking precaution. I would have explicitly ignored taking precaution. Exactly. Exactly. I would have, I would have consented to me ignoring my own fuck, my own fuck ups. Right. Um, what would you say to a bottom that's getting into it? Oh, um, why? <laughs> Probably the first thing. <laughs> uh, None these got. Why? Why are you doing this? What do you want? Um. Um. How do you think you might get hurt from this? Is a good place to start. Like, what is your understanding of the risks? And like, have them answer um specifically. Because if you can't answer specifically, like, uh, this this part of my body may do this. Uh, my leg may, may go numb. I may, um, get a rash. If they don't know any of the specifics, they're really not informed enough. If they're just like, Oh, I, I might get hurt, but I'm not worried about it. It's like, you probably, you need, you need to talk to that person, maybe inform them what the actual risks are. Good old learning that your body can do things that you didn't know that they can do. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good that's a good starting point um my personal question is what about this interests you mm-hmm. why why now all of a sudden is this a is this a thing because understanding what makes it make gives you the tingles mm-hmm. is kind of important like if this is going to be a, a something that you can get yourself off to cool well you, you can focus on that mm-hmm. not me personally because that's I, I like my rope a lot more than I like people, so mm-hmm. I'm not going to dirty my fucking rope. Right. Um, or do you just want to have this experience? Because there are other people that are probably a lot more suited for it than I am. Mm-hmm. Um, at least that's how I keep myself in check because I've, I've done the merry-go-round top thing and boy, does it fucking suck. Mm. Especially uh, as someone put it to me a while back, there, there will always be a want for to get tied, mm. but there won't be enough people to do it. Ah. It, I have not experienced that yet. Go to a convention. Mm. Go to a convention or hell, go to a, when this is over, go to a uh, bondage party. Mm. Have your rope bag with you and just have it out. Mm-hmm. It's a thing. And it's not a bad thing. It's just there's there's a deficit of people that actually know, or deficit of competent people that know what to do. Right. Um, and I think that has to do with the fact that people stop learning at a certain point. Right. Uh, like once someone learns how to do a, once, once someone learns how to do a standard suspension tie, mm-hmm. they stop learning and that's all they do. Right. And that becomes a bit of an issue because you've, you, you don't know why some of these things are kind of dangerous. Like mm-hmm. the, the reason why a TK is kind of being phased out in certain regards is because that's not a standard position for the body to be in. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's very taxing. Mm-hmm. Our body doesn't want to have our arms behind our back. Like mm-hmm. It wants to have our arms in front of us. So tying with like 
tying a chest harness with arms in front is is another thing. Also, tying different body types is a very different thing because if you tie the, if you tie this person that you've you've known for a while mm-hmm. for a long long time, it's kind of limiting yourself as a top mm-hmm. and as a bottom. Only tying with one person is it can be good. It can be because it gets you an understanding and a feel for certain things. But learning that there are other ways to do things mm-hmm. is, is very, very good information to have. Mm-hmm. So that 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 stop, that stop gap mm-hmm. is, 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 is an issue for is an issue that I've seen come mm-hmm. up a little bit more. So like, well, we can we can trek back to the person that almost turned his fucking chest in onto a Taco Bell Bell Grande fucking thing. <laughs> now I'm hungry. <laughs> uh, I I'm a little bit hungry myself. That is, hmm, that's a first. Usually I have energy drinks to mitigate that. Mm-hmm. I'll, cor- I'll eat caffeine. I will numb the caffeine. Although I don't think they make chocolate covered espresso beans anymore. Or no, they think they do. I just had to go to fucking Trader Joe's for it. Oof. Yeah, no, I don't rip. R.I.P. People. So, how would you suggest that 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 continuation of knowledge be sought out? Because, w- what would make you stop wanting to learn rope? What would make me stop wanting to learn rope? Yes, I don't. I'm kind of a glutton for technique. I don't know if I'll ever truly stop. Um, but that that probably just comes with me being like a researcher and shit like that. Um. But I think once, if I can be acknowledged for having my own style, that's probably where I would stop seeking out other people's instruction and stick more to experimentation. But that takes a long time to get to. Yeah, that does. Um, I don't think I'll ever really stop because I, I, while I have my own like way of tying, I wouldn't call it a style. Like mm-hmm. I, that's why I go under that. I'm under a school, like the school of torturing people, torture rope. That, that's. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of finding new ways to hurt people with it. So right. I, I don't think I'll ever stop. I just, I'm trying to find a way to mitigate people's like stopping at this, like, oh, I learned how to do suspensions and now all is fucking, and now everything's up for grabs, um, which is not safe. I think you have to contend with your own philosophy here because like when a lot of the time when people reach that point, they've gotten what they intended. So if if the if the goal is to get to where you intend to get to, if they get there, they should be able to stop. Hmm. I guess that would be a contention to my own fucking philosophy then. Hmm. Yeah, that does go back to intent. Mm-hmm. So I think at that point, you need people in the community to call out any unsafe behavior regardless of what anybody's intent is. Which is why I think it's important that this is a community-driven... Um, kind of practice. Thankfully, it is um, because there's there there's a lot of people. Thankfully, that will call out bad behavior in the rope scene. Mm-hmm. Like if you're if you're trying to do rope for the sake of doing rope and learning it, just like everybody else is going to classes, conventions, and all that, you usually won't have an issue. But if you're trying to just be that fucking creeper that only learns just enough to get away with a lot of shit, yeah. You'll be called out. Mm. Thankfully, thankfully, that's one of the saving graces of this of the, the the rope community. You you see it at different conventions where as soon as something bad happens, uh, you're in a tizzy if you're the one that caused it, mm-hmm. which I think is is a good thing. It's it's 
very comforting to see that. Mm-hmm. At the same time, lynch mobs do can get out of hand. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think keeping people safe is a, a priority. Yeah. Because, again, what we're doing is fucking dangerous. What a brave stance. A brave stance? <laughs> people not getting hurt is a good thing. <laughs> I know. Very contradicting. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, let me let me rephrase it. People not getting harmed. Harmed. Harmed is a better vernacular for that one because I like hurting people a lot. Harmed. Permanently damaged. Sound better? Yeah, I'm, you're the one. <laughs> you're the one that wants to talk vernacular. It's up to you. <laughs> this is supposed to be a discussion. No. Um. Yeah. No. We don't want people to get harmed. Hurt. Mm-hmm. Sure. Harmed. No. With that being said, I think the only thing to kind of discuss as far as like getting being a newblit into king mm-hmm. to 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 kink and rope, king to king, to the crown, <laughs> God save the king, God save the queen instead. You prefer Bowsette here? <laughs> yes, I just went there. Mm. I think with rope. There's a lot we can go into. We can probably do an entire second episode on just like gravitating towards the more from beginner to intermediate to a little bit more experienced. And that that will just come with time. I think so locating rope events specifically right now, Mm -hmm. all online. Yeah. If you go to FetLife right now and look up, oh, I don't know. Let's just at the top of my head, studio... uh, We'll just type uh, Wicked Dave and Clover. Mm -hmm. They are doing a lot of online classes right Uh now and a lot of online videos to kind of like bridge that gap of people wanting to practice but not being able to do the social distancing. Right. So that's a good place to start because they do a lot of very Mm beginner-friendly stuff, learning how to treat your rope, how to tie single-column ties, learning what load bearing actually is, how to properly tie on bamboo mm-hmm. posts, um, and all that. I think that's that's a good place to start since mm-hmm. right now most kink communities are are under lockdown. Right. Uh, unless you're living with your partners, then the only way feasibly you can do that is online classes. Sometimes mm-hmm. they do it live too, so you'll be able to see and ask questions and go about it that way. I think that's really the best way to do this at the moment because mm-hmm. you'd be surprised on like how limited people are when it comes to rigging in various places. Like there's, there's hardly an actual place right now. Like if, if the social quarant if the quarantine wasn't going on right now, if lockdown wasn't happening, social distancing wasn't happening, there's not really a lot of places to learn rope here. Right. So a lot of it becomes interpersonal. You have a lot of people that will like seek out information from the individual that they know that does rope mm-hmm. or ask to be pointed in the right direction. And that's kind of where it's at. Mm-hmm. But right now, everything is open and available. Those those wonderful riggers that are very renowned, that have a lot more knowledge than I would have, mm-hmm. are opening up their studios online. Mm-hmm. Take that. For granted, take that for for what it is. Like take advantage of that. Always, always take advantage of as much knowledge as you can. Take it easy, but take it. That's a good way of putting it. Anything else you would like to add for right now? Not really. Um, 
a lot of my rope stuff is kind of hard to put into words and I think I think that's why I came into rope in the first place because I like I fucking talk to people all the time so being able to do something with my hands and being able to play around and experiment with my hands is pretty important like rope started to become a um an anti-anxiety measure for me for a while to where I could just like if I need to not think about something I can really concentrate about maybe tying up chair chan or something like that that's a good way of that's a good way of looking at it I at this moment I know that I've been I know that as a as an individual I've been doing a lot more like self like self tying mm-hmm. because it's, it's become this comfort thing like it's just like I I'm I like having rope on me yeah it's a, it's a great thing to sit down and tie myself while I'm playing and then play video games while I'm in this position because it, it's just a way for me to kind of zone out right and also my roommate is learning how, she, learning how to do rope too so I get to I get to teach another individual the basics on exactly where to go with their intent and they can practice on chair chan at the house mm-hmm. or a pillow chan because they have fucking body pillows mm-hmm. so it becomes this nice little escapism at the moment because that's what that's what we, all of us need right now especially mm-hmm. you intro, uh, extroverts over there that are going batshit fucking crazy yeah take advantage of discord y'all that's take, like I'm, I know I'm extroverted discord is where I like to be there are a lot of people in your shoes. Like mm-hmm. by by all means, do the online chats. Mm-hmm. L- see what other like there's a, like I said like I said earlier before we started recording. There's a friend of mine right now that's learning how to make rope himself. Right. That's that could go a lot of different places. He could be making his own rope. He can probably sell it eventually. Like these are these are things that you can do with your amount of time right now. Right. Especially especially now Mm -hmm. if you're like me that doesn't have a backlog of video games on steam and you get tired of it just pick up pick up the skill Mm -hmm. learn how to do that thing on column time finally have an excuse for it and if you want to learn more we'll do another episode on this yeah on exactly like the intentions of the japanese bondage and all that Mm -hmm. because i that's where i that's a lot where that's a lot where my mindset is when it comes to it right as opposed to the Western style, very decorative, artsy stuff. Mm-hmm. And we can go into that. I'd honestly like to be able to live stream from a studio or something. I think that'd be really cool. That would be pretty cool. Like uh, if we could get like four or five DSLRs with different angles, um, that could be kind of neat. I need to get my camera back. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a, it's, a, it's a 4K mirrorless. Mm-hmm. And that would, be, that would be good use for it because it can record 4K videos. So I just got to find out, uh, find the configuration on basically turning it into a video camera yeah. and then having it stream on, uh, or uploading the stream. Is from. it a Canon? It's a Fujifilm. Okay. I, I think most have drivers that will let you use them as a webcam. Really? Mm-hmm. Like I know my, my, my really old Canon back there can do that. Yeah. I, th- I just got to find the right, the right drivers for it and I can probably, I can probably do that mm-hmm. with that one. But again, I just need to get my camera back. And at the moment, I think that's about it when, yeah. when it comes to the in, the introduction to <coughs> rigging and all that. There's a lot of vernacular that we didn't go over, mm-hmm. um, which is at the moment is fine. You're just jumping in right now. You're getting your feet wet. Yeah. Your toesies wet. Uh, and as a top, you will have a lot more that you need to kind of learn and work with as far as like the, the body is concerned. And bottoms, you will need to understand that everybody everybody's body has a limit mm-hmm. understanding yours and knowing where to go from there 
is very important for you. Yeah. You want to understand that if you can't bend a certain way, that's perfectly fine. Yeah, there make are, that known. Make that known. Also, learning how to vocalize what appendages are specifically not feeling appropriately. Because mm-hmm. if, you, if you've ever had your radial, um, like, locked off, mm-hmm. knowing what fingers go out is important. Mm-hmm. Also, being very specific on what's going on yeah. will help. And if you can do that as a as a bottom, you're already ahead of the curve. Mm-hmm. As a top, understanding that maybe it's time to bring somebody down instead of like continuing is a very good way. Yeah, be ready to cut your owner up at any time. Yes, that 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 is a very very good way to end off. Understanding that your rope, your bottom, is more important than your rope. Mm-hmm. Learning to be okay with cutting it is a very good thing to know. Yeah, because then you get to treat more rope, and that's cool. Exactly. You get to treat more rope. You get to get, you get to purchase more rope. Mm-hmm. Be a good time. Anyway, got that ten out of ten. Ten out of ten. Nice. All right. I think this is a good place to uh, to kind of end off. Um, you can reach out to our email for resources. We'll we'll be glad to respond to that. Yes, and thank you for those that are subscribing to the YouTube channel because I know we've had to shift over things from SoundCloud to YouTube. Only because of limitations. I It seems like the YouTube channel is only limiting me to a specific amount of time that I can r- have things rendered. So I might be cutting these in half mm-hmm. and doing like continuations depending. And I think it's because the channel is just starting out. So right. thank you to those who are subscribed. Thank you to those who are watching. We'll catch you next time. Peace. Bye.